You are listening to a Pleasure Podcast. For more from our Sex Podcast Collective, visit PleasurePodcasts.com. Hey friends, welcome to American Sex, a podcast dedicated to normalizing conversations about pleasure and alternative sexual expression by challenging those puritanical, backward-ass ideals that we have here in the United States. This is episode 158 of American Sex Podcast, and I'm Sunny Megatron. My co-host is Ken Melvoin-Berg, who you'll be hearing from shortly. We're both sexuality educators, pleasure advocates, and kinky perverts, too. Also, we just so happen to be non-monogamously married to each other. This week, we are talking about manipulation in sex, relationships, and kink with Kitty Stryker. Now, Kitty Stryker has been working on defining and creating consent culture for over 10 years through her writing, workshops, and her website, consentculture.com. She's the editor of Ask, Building Consent Culture, and is especially interested in bringing conversations about consent out of the bedroom, and into everyday life. Kitty also enjoys working as a street medic for direct actions, playing Dungeons and Dragons, and caring for her two cats. She identifies as queer, asexual, sober, anarchist, and femme. This conversation, American fuckers, I tell you, it is really going to get your wheels turning and inspire you to think critically about everyday things that just fly right under the radar, right under your nose that you don't even really think about. It turns out that we all manipulate and we all do it a lot more than we realize. But is all manipulation bad? And does all manipulation have the potential to undermine consent? Well, you know, it turns out that sometimes manipulation can be neutral or even good. But what differentiates positive or motivating manipulation from abusive manipulation? Is it intent? Is it the outcome of whatever interaction that is? Is it something else entirely? In this conversation, we talk about spotting, dating, and vetting manipulation red flags and also how to manipulate ethically in BDSM scenes and sexual role plays, how to negotiate and consent to various forms of manipulation, but not to others, and how to recognize once that line has been crossed. Oh, and we also talk about how manipulation relates to brat play, too. I want to note that this conversation applies to all humans, no matter your sexual orientation or your adult play style. But we do bring up kink quite a bit. Early on, we use a term that you might not be familiar with unless you're in the kink community. That term is DS, the letter D slash the letter S. It stands for dominance and submission. So when we refer to a DS relationship or a DS dynamic or NDS, That's what those letters stand for. But before we roll that conversation, we've got to wash the balls, right? Can't miss that. If you're new here on American Sex, that's housekeeping. You know, it's a lot more fun to soap up the twins a little bit than it is to clean your apartment. Uh, Oh, do, do you hear? Do you know what time it is? 
It's big welcome and heartfelt appreciation time to the new members of our Patreon family. I want to give a big, huge welcome and heartfelt appreciation to Frederico and Scott for becoming recent American Sex Podcast Patreon members. And you, you too can become an American Sex Podcast Patreon member. You just have to go to patreon.com slash American Sex and you're going to get stuff too. You get bonus stories from our guests. There's some up from Kitty now and they're hilarious. Uh, you also get extra full length episodes, all of our regular episodes early. I'll send you American Sex Podcast stickers in the mail and there's a whole lot more. Ken and I give the majority of our content to the world for free which is a lot more than just this podcast, because we believe that these conversations are critical. They are so important. They're relationship improving, life changing, even in some cases, life saving. And for that reason, everybody should have access to them. So by supporting us, you allow our content to remain free for everybody. Again, that address is patreon.com slash American sex. Now next, I'm going to be part of an amazing weekend that starts in just a few days, and you got to know about it. It's the Tending the Garden Virtual Summit on April 24th and 25th. Now, this is a weekend for survivors to attend and have conversations with folks that understand. And over the course of two days, participants will have access to licensed therapists, counselors, sex educators, fellow survivors, and a lot more through a series of panels and discussions about topics that we don't offer. Often address. Some of those include uh, being neurodiverse and having trauma, being fat and a survivor, male survivors, being a sex worker and a survivor. And I'm going to be on a panel about kink and trauma. There's a lot more too. I'm going to have a link to this amazing event in our show notes for this episode at americansexpodcast.com, or you can find that description in what ever streaming service you're listening to right now. And another thing, did you hear that I have a second podcast, right? I do. It's called Open Deeply. And my co-host is therapist Kate Lurie. And if you like to deep dive into you know, people's psyches and different societal systems and relationships and all of those intricate things that make us us and influence our emotions, then you should really check it out. Episode seven just dropped today. You can find Open Deeply on your favorite podcasting platform or at opendeeplypodcast.com. And the last thing, you know, speaking of podcasts, we're already on the subject. There's a fun new one that I really like called Double Date with Marlo Thomas and Phil Donahue. On each episode, they visit with celebrities who have these legendary romances, you know, like Neil Patrick Harris and David Burtka or Sting and Trudy Styler. It's pretty good. I think you're going to like it. And you can learn more about Double Date on our commercial break during this episode. So right now, let's let's get to it. Let's dive into the fascinating nuance of manipulation when it pertains to sex, relationships, and kink. Yes, in other words, these balls are clean. We are ready to move on. American fuckers, here is Kitty Stryker. I'm going to geek out. Ken's going to geek out. Kitty Stryker's going to geek out, who's on the line with us. Um... Because we're talking about a subject that came up, 
I don't know, a few weeks ago. So like, I, I want to throw out there that we are not experts in manipulation. Like there are experts that study specifically the psychology of manipulation. We're not those people. Um, but when it comes to consent, you know, Kitty wrote a whole book. Uh, Ken and I, that's a central theme in our work. And the context in which we're going to be talking about manipulation goes hand in hand with consent. And so this is more of, I guess, an off the cuff conversation. I don't know where this is going to go. You know, I really want to talk about how manipulation can be used for good, how manipulation can be used in BDSM and psychosexual scenarios. Um, and yeah, so for the American fuckers listening along, we don't know what the fuck we're talking about, but at the same time, we know exactly what we're talking about. And uh, hopefully this will open your mind to thinking about something you hadn't really thought this deeply about before. So hi, Kitty. That was hi, a Kitty. lot of words. <laughs> yes, hello. Hello. <laughs> See, I'm setting the scene. I'm giving the listeners a certain like emotional expectation. You might say I just kind of sort of low-key manipulated everyone. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Did they consent? So, well, th this is what we're going to pick apart. This is so okay, Kitty. I, I know, like you and I have been talking on social media over the last couple of weeks, and like other people have joined in. And what started it for me? I don't know about you, but what started for me is there was a creator that I'm I follow, who is a diagnosed narcissist, and he makes videos about like, this is what narcissism is. This is how you, you know, can watch out for it, that yada, yada, um, like all the secrets of the narcissist. And he said something that just hit me like a ton of bricks. He said, if I can trigger you, I can control you. And I was like, Oh my God, that's like BDSM. We do that for good. We do that ethically, but we do it for bad. And, ah! So yeah. that's how I got here. How did you get here? <laughs> uh, well, I mean, I guess, with my work in consent culture, I think a lot about the ways that we impact each other and we influence each other, um, especially subconsciously. Mm -hmm. And I also think a lot about, I mean, I always say this, but I'll say it again. Under a white supremacist capitalist patriarchy, is 100% consent possible? I don't think mm -hmm. that it is. Yeah. And therefore... We are always being influenced and perhaps manipulated subconsciously by the society we live in, the way we were raised, family expectations, our personal expectations, what our identity is supposed to mean, what it means to us, like all these different things. And so it's super, super complicated. Yeah, it is. This is like... 100% nuance. Like we are in the, but there's exception for that. Blah, 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 blah. It's so complicated. And, you know, I think that the thing that really sort of called out to me when it comes to how we all collectively see manipulation is we have been so conditioned to think that manipulation is always and only the abusive narcissist up to sinister things and blah and we're not manipulators they are manipulators but really like you're saying it's it's in every thread of everything we manipulate all the fucking time like as a parent yeah i manipulate my kids by you know and like the definition of manipulation i actually looked it up uh you know is to to handle or control in a skillful manner 
or to control or influence a person or situation. And that's usually by like hitting their emotions, by emotionally manipulating them, making them feel a certain way, right? And it's like, if I want my kid not to run out in the middle of the street or to learn how to grow up to be a good person, I am going to deliver that message in a way where it does play on their emotions. So I can guarantee that they're going to listen to me. And yes, I am using manipulative tactics, and maybe even the same tactics that the bad, bad people are using. But I'm not using it for bad. Like, I, uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, and I mean, I think that another part of this is that you can have good intentions and unexpectedly not great consequences right so like there's a that's what that's what's so complicated about this to me is i think people want things to be simple they want consent to be simple they want manipulation to be simple and none of it is the fact is you can and probably will fuck up and Mm -hmm. um i think that uh, here's a here's a really basic example i manipulate my housemate regularly My housemate is very flighty and has a hard time remembering to do chores. So what I do, rather than have a chore list or a chore wheel that would involve me nagging her all the time, whenever she does a task, I make a big deal out of it. I notice it. I say, oh, wow, thank you so much for doing. And I list the things that she did. Additionally, I also let her know when I've done things around the apartment. And so therefore, like when I do that, I am manipulating her by letting her know, hey, I've been doing a bunch of cleaning in the apartment, which allows her to then go, oh, you know, I should really step up um, without there being any hard feelings or shame involved. Right. Um, And then by rewarding her positively when she does do the things, it makes her feel good. So she wants to do them more. Now, that is a very conscious thing that I am doing to get the behavior out of her that I want. Right. And it's something we've even had conversations about. So she knows that I'm doing it sub like on some level. But that's a way in which I feel I engage in a positive form of manipulation. Now that could very quickly become a negative form of manipulation. Uh And that's why I think being upfront and honest about it is really helpful. And if she turned to me and said, you know what, actually, when you tell me the things that you've done around the apartment, I feel like you are subtly shaming me. Then that's something we could have a conversation about. Right, Be like, okay, right. yeah, you know what? You've changed, like, the way you feel about this has changed. So now we should change how we do this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that's, I, I don't think the average person is capable of not only that amount of nuance, but that amount of self awareness and awareness of others and interpersonal communication to, do that in an ethical manner, or at least consciously do that in an ethical manner. Like we're always manipulating without even really realizing we're just on autopilot. That's the way what we've been social, you know, humans do that to get what they need and get what they want, whether it's negative I or mean, positive. I would argue, especially Americans who are very yes. individualistic, 
manipulation is one of the ways we are encouraged to pull ourselves up by the bootstraps. And I think Mm -hmm. in any conversation about consent, about manipulation, recognizing that individualism as part of the problem, I think is super, super important. I ran across something before we we connected today. I was like, I fell into this Google hole and I was like geeking out about manipulation and like, you know, getting different ideas. And I ran across something that I was like, huh. And I haven't completely digested it yet, but I kind of dig it. Um, mm-hmm. It says the major difference between positive manipulation and negative manipulation is that negative manipulation strives to make the target dependent on the manipulator, while positive manipulation strives to encourage the target to be in, in, independent, dependent upon themselves. And I don't mm. think that's that's in every situation, but I kind of feel like that could be a major theme. I don't know. How do you feel about that? I'm still trying to decide how I feel. Yeah, I think, <laughs> I think that's a really good baseline. And it reminds me a lot of when I was um, engaging more heavily in longer term DS relationships, mm-hmm. one of the things that was really important for me as a dominant was that I had a, a park policy, leave them better than I found them, right? Yes, and like, yes. part of being a good dominant for me was encouraging my submissive to be more independent, to feel more confident, to feel mm-hmm. more stable. Um, and I think that's why I get very concerned about uh, the ways in which uh, evangelical relationships get eroticized. It's like, oh, it's basically a DS relationship. No, it's not. It's it's insistent on a dependence. Yeah, it, it requires a codependency that I don't think is healthy, and I feel like if. I mean, if you can't say no, does your yes mean anything? Mm -hmm. If I can't leave a relationship because we've made it sexy for me to give you all my money, um, well, (laughs) that might (laughs) have been a positive manipulation at one point. Right. But I think there is an onus on the person doing the manipulation to have the other person's best interests at heart and be like, I will do this to a point, but at the end of the day, like the account is in your name. Like you can go to the bank and access that account without me. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's super, super important. It's funny that when you heard that quote, you went straight to DS relationships because my brain went exactly to the same spot. And it's like, you know, I kind of look at it as, you know, and I, in, in most scenarios of dominant, I look at it as, yes, we are play acting your dependence on me. And we're using that as um, a vehicle to explore different emotional states, different states of empowerment, that sort of thing. But at the end of the day, the purpose of play acting your dependence on me is to empower you and make you independent you know so i i yeah i went completely right freaking there i I went to topping from the bottom like when like well think about your submissive Mm -hmm. and when he is acting like a sissy cheerleader and he wants to get his way and you guys are sort of 
pushing boundaries against each other. He knows that he can manipulate you to a certain extent. Like a, a brattiness. That, yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. And and I think like, you know. Like how I always talk before how brat play to me is non-consensual and I don't enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. That's oh, how I feel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like, it's so funny because like on social media, the new cool trend is to be a brat. And, and it's like, I'm not oh. knocking brats. Like people who are brats, that's great. But I think like a lot of people who are just getting into BDSM see brats represented online and they think that's like the only way to be submissive. And... I think that's great. If that's your jam and you're with somebody who really likes that kind of interplay. Um, but yeah, oftentimes bratting without negotiation and consent is just like, you're being an asshole to me. I didn't <laughs> consent to this. Yeah, it's like, not sexy anymore. Exactly. Like, well, and I mean, I think when I was younger, I had more energy for it. And now that I'm older, I just can't be bothered. Um, yeah. But but I also think that um, that is one of my concerns about brat scenarios is that not only is it non-consensual for the dominant, but as much as we like to joke about writing checks that you can't cash, that can also be a way that you find yourself in a scenario that you weren't 100% nego- like comfortable in. If mm-hmm. you're like, oh, yeah, go ahead and and beat the living hell out of me then. Um, and then that happens. You might be like, oh, that was not what I wanted. Right. Like, I was you calling wanted, your bluff. I thought yeah, you were going to back down. You wanted the play, <laughs> but you didn't want the actual result. And, like, that can be a situation where the manipulation went from, again, something positive and fun to something that went out of control. And now you're both left going, what happened? Yeah. <laughs> I thought this yeah. was fine. Yeah, like, <laughs> Brat plays a slippery fucking slope, I tell you. Like, someone yeah. needs to come up with an, like, I have negotiation sheets for different scenarios, like a humiliation negotiation sheet. Da, da, da. Maybe I should come up with, like, a Brat negotiation sheet of, like, specific shit you need to ask and address before you get into, like, hit me harder, and then you're like, what the fuck? You know? Probably a good idea, but God, I'm just, it's cringe. I yeah, cringe. you are not a fan of Brat. See, and, I'm... Brat, not every one of you is Harley Quinn. I just want to say I'm a fan of bratting up to a certain extent like i like bratting as like kink foreplay like when the scene hasn't really gotten into it or maybe like you're in between scene or before a scene and you're having that like playful give and take but like once the serious action and the play starts i am not for bratting well and Mm -mm. here's the thing it's like banter Right, like yeah, it can yeah. be so much fun to get into a little bit of snarky banter with a friend, but there's also a line that is hard to define. That when it gets crossed, you're like, "Ooh, that wasn't just snarky funny anymore. That actually was hurtful. Mm-hmm. Like that sounds like there was a resentment there or something, and like something that starts off very consensual and fun." can then become, uh, I don't know, kind of a, an arms race yeah, um, and a game of chicken to see who's going to be like, ow, hang on first. Right, you know? yeah. Um, you know, I'm wondering if, like, it wouldn't be a bad idea because, like, I'm thinking of one person that I play with, and we do have that playful banter, like, before we really get into it, and I enjoy that. But when the bratting is happening, when we're like really insane, I'm like, okay, uh, let's not, you know. Um, 
And I'm wondering if like a special safe word that the dominant uses when it's like, no, I really mean it. We're done bratting now. And I'm not because it. I mean, bratting is really consensual non-consent. I can say, okay, no, I mean it now. Cut it out. And it's the other person thinks, oh, it's part of the, I'm not going to cut it out. (laughs) And you're like, no, I'm really fucking serious. We're done bratting now, you know? So maybe we need a special brat safe word. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) you know, power to you if you have the energy for that. (laughs) (laughs) I I don't, I don't anymore. Uh, But also, I mean, honestly, I think that a lot of it is because since doing so much work on consent culture, I am extremely skittish about Mm. any kind of interpersonal interaction that is not explicitly clear (laughs) yeah, <laughs> because <laughs> yeah, it's just You're singing I mean, my song. <laughs> like I and and I mean, and some of that I think is trauma. I, some yeah. of that is informed mm-hmm. by trauma. It's really scary to fuck up, and um, you know, and I genuinely don't want to fuck up again. Yeah, but yeah. God, I can't tell you how many people I've gone on dates with who are like, wow, it's so weird that you ask me before you kiss me or you ask me before you hold my hand and you say, is this okay when you like touch my shoulder? Like, God, like, ugh, just do stuff. And I'm like, <sighs> I know to me, yeah. it's a red flag if someone needs me to ask forgiveness instead of permission. But right. again, that's not the cultural norm. So mm-hmm. it's, um, yeah, it's, it's really complicated. I'm actually, I've been thinking a lot about manipulation as it pertains to the workplace, which mm-hmm. I know is kind of like, no, I'm into off that. on a tangent I, from I'm a into sex that podcast. I used to be a boss of a team of miserable people. Um, <laughs> so I'm into this. So go proceed. So, okay. So as a young manipulative teenager, I read the art of seduction, right? Uh-huh. Which was interesting to me because it was placed in the business section and not in like self-help or psychology or anything like that. Right. Now the art of seduction is like if dangerous liaisons was a book, it would be this book. Hmm. And that is a dangerous thing. Right. Um, It is a guide on how to manipulate people. It's called seduction. So it makes it sound like, oh, manipulation, but in a sexy way. But it's still manipulation. And like a lot of the things in the book talk about like, here's how to get someone that you're like trying to do a power broker situation with. Here's how to get them on side or like, here's how to change this. Uh, work relationship into something that puts you in better standing. And, you know, it's a, it's a very 80s American psycho kind of <laughs> tone. Um, oh, and God. incidentally, the 48 Laws of Power, written by the same guy, was referenced by the Proud Boys oh, when they Jesus. were discussing how to improve their optics January 6th. Holy shit. So... <laughs> Let me say that to give you some context for, like, these books are fucking dangerous. Wow. Um, However, there are also some very interesting uh, concepts in there about um, how you could do these things a little bit. Like, manipulation, I think, for me, is more like 
adding some sprinkles to the top of a sundae. It's good in a tiny dose or a little bit of salt. Too mm-hmm. much salt and you'll ruin the dish, but just enough and you'll enhance the flavors. That's Ooh. what you're aiming for. Right. Now, important to note, what's too much salt for me and what's too much salt for you could be very different. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's also important to keep in mind. Uh, yeah. So I, I, I don't know. It's just an interesting thing. If you're interested in manipulation, definitely pick up both of those books. I might have to. And Kitty, be I have a question. Have, horrified. Yeah. Kitty, are you into occult stuff at all? Uh, some stuff. Have you read The Satanic Witch by Anton LaVey? Yes. Yes. Because uh, because it it's all of this is sort of reminding me of that where you take the attributes that you have and you enhance them to the nth degree in order to manipulate people. And they talk about like he's talking about everything from like pupil control to like like not wearing deodorant so your natural pheromones or will work to your advantage and all sorts of wow. really interesting stuff. Huh. Yeah, and the, and there's and there's a lot of um you know like like how to wear perfume. Like you want to wear it so that someone just gets a little waft yes. rather than so much that it's overpowering. Like there's a lot of subtle cues, arching your back, wearing high heels. These are all subtle manipulations that we don't really think about. Right. Um, you know, we we kind of know that there's a benefit like, oh, my legs look good if I wear high heels or my ass looks really nice if I'm wearing high heels. But like part of the reason why you want that is because you you know, you want to look a certain way. Right. Um, and it's you're manipulate you're literally manipulating your body <laughs> to create a certain result. Right. Um, and- and I mean, I think that's normal. Like we're yeah, in so many situations where it's like, wrong with right? That. We're uh, we're we're on a job interview. We want to make a good first impression, so we're gonna go through this laundry list of things that we make sure when you know that prospective new boss lays eyes on us and that they get that good impression that we act in certain ways or dress in certain ways or or hold ourselves in certain ways that's going to give the most positive emotional response to us you know, sitting in that office. And that's like very normal, very positive, I guess, you know, or maybe not positive, but there's nothing sinister about it. It is a part of our our social cues. It's what we do as humans, you know? Yeah. And I think I think it comes back to the definition, right? Mm Because like like when you were quoting the definition, I've got the same one pulled up here and it says control or influence a person or situation. And it starts with cleverly, which is like, okay, that's, uh, yeah, that's good. And then immediately goes to unfairly or unscrupulously. Right. And it's like, so it starts off with like, yeah, it's not necessarily a bad thing. And then it's like, except it is. Right. (laughs) Yes. You know, and that's one of my like big beefs with manipulation in general, because when I say out loud in public, manipulation can be good. There are some people that are like, oh, yeah, never thought about it. You're right. And then there are some people that are steadfast, like, no, manipulation's always bad. There is no good manipulation. Never manipulate. Bad, 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 bad. And I, I very firmly maintain that in the English language, we don't have a good word or a good differentiator between 
positive manipulation and negative manipulation. And it's like, you know, if you can't see one side of the scales, you can't see the other. You can't see like the reflection or the opposite. And I did a video and I was like, Germans, help us. We need a word because Germans have a fucking (laughs) word for everything. There is a word. It is. Let's see. I did the pronunciation. I wrote it down phonetically. Beeinflussen. <laughs> did I do that good? Mm. Beeinflussen. No. See the word. Uh, it's it's it looks like beeinflussen. Beeinflussen. Oh, yeah. Anyway, uh, but it's a neutral word for manipul- manipulation that means influence, and it's like. You know, if you think of manipulation on a spectrum, and these days I think of everything on a fucking spectrum with, you know, bad manipulation on one end and good manipulation on the other end, A, it becomes really clear like, okay, these are two different things. B, it becomes really clear that that whole fucking middle area is a big problem and we don't understand when we cross from the good to the bad or is there really a crossing from good to bad? I mean, it's probably very subjective based on, like you were saying, person, you know, what's what's too much salt for one is, you know, not yeah. for another. Um, and I think that because we don't really see the good parts of manipulation. We can't really see or analyze the bad parts of manipulation. And I think that causes us to get the wool pulled over our eyes, whether it's like a partner, a friend, Donald Trump, all of the advertising we're bombarded with. Like we don't see when we're being played. Well, and here's the fucked up thing. If you're really good at manipulation, no one will ever see it. Yeah. Um, oh, so, fuck. so there. I mean, you know, again, I was a fucked up teenager. Okay, like I made this a study of mine, and yeah. at some point in my early twenties, I said, "You know what? It is a lot of work to maintain all of these facades in order to effectively continue to do these things." I'm tired of it and I'm not going to do it anymore. <laughs> and I went full 180 from that, from like being very like, I'm going to get what I want. I'm going to get ahead to being extremely mutually focused and like mm-hmm. more communal in how I handled myself and how I handled the world. Um, so like, I do understand why people go for manipulation like it is super effective honestly right when i was a manipulative young submissive my experience i I was so popular in bdsm and when i decided to stop doing that and start being really like vulnerable and honest i was Mm -hmm. completely ostracized so like yeah if if we don't like the fact that people are manipulative we got to stop rewarding people for for being manipulative that would be a great place to start Um, we could start with a big manipulator trump uh yeah i mean yeah but i mean but every politician you know every ceo every community leader does this to some extent you know like it's so it's it's everywhere and i mean i think in a same in a similar way the idea of entitlement culture is everywhere and so it feels overwhelming where do you begin and i think for me what has been really helpful um i was reading this guy bob berg on forbes talks about Mm -hmm. how the difference um influence itself is neutral in a way that gravity is neutral and there's Mm -hmm. ways that gravity is considered a good 
when it keeps us from floating into space, but it's also bad when we fall off of a building, you know, but gravity (laughs) is neutral. Influence similarly is neutral. He puts it manipulation and persuasion. Um, Mm. Now I think part of the issue with using the word persuasion is persuasion is culturally considered very verbal. Right. And manipulation can be verbal, but can also be nonverbal. And I think we need to open up persuasion to be non-verbally persuasive as well. Mm, yeah. Um, so I think that's an interesting thing. But it's like he also makes a point that influence is negative when one manipulates others for their own selfish purposes. Yes. And influence is positive when one persuades others in order that both or all parties can obtain the results they want. Yeah. And intent is the major difference. And I think that's great. I also think we're really, really good at telling ourselves our intent is good. Yes. Like, I mean, I have spent a lifetime. I've spent near 50 damn years lying to myself. Like, you know, and (laughs) the things I look at. Manipulating yourself. Exactly. I gaslight myself constantly. I've done it my whole life. I look back on things that I believed about myself or my situation or whatever 10, 15 years ago, and I'm like, you sad, sad child. You had no idea what you said. <laughs> but of course, when we're in it, we're like, oh, yeah, that's, yeah, my motivations are pure. Everything's good, you know. Um, you know I, I came across something that very much is, you know, has to do with what you're saying is that, you know, I think one of our, our big problems is that society has conditioned us to uh, control other people as a means to getting our needs met. Yeah. Rather than like looking within and figuring out, well, how can I do this shit? You know, our, our norm, our default is like, how can I get this from other people? How can I manipulate other people to get what I want? And it's like, that's a fundamental flaw, but we're all fucking raised that way. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so one of the things I liked about this this article, uh, it's an interview with this mm-hmm. um, Bob Berg guy, um, and he talks about four questions you can ask yourself that I think are really helpful in assessing your intent in a situation. Mm-hmm. I mean, again, you could still lie to yourself, but it's a good starting place. Right. And he suggests... How does what I'm asking this person to do align with his or her goals, his or her wants, his or her needs, or his or her desires? Mm. How does what I want this other person to do align with their values? What problems am I helping them solve? How will my suggestion add value to their life? Ooh, those and are I think good. I think those are also really helpful in the world of dominance and submission. Yes. Um, because, for example, um, I had a submissive who was very afraid of enclosed spaces. Mm-hmm. And it made it difficult for this person to handle things like even being in an airplane at times. And so mm. that was something that they really wanted to work through. And so they asked me to manipulate them when they weren't expecting it to help them stretch their boundaries mm-hmm. in this for a end result that they wanted. And like 
that is an example of how you can use these powers for good. Right. Um, however, again, like it's a dangerous game and you can be on the right path and have the right intent and answer all these questions and be like, my intent's good. All things are go and still go a little too far. Yeah. So I think it's also important when trying to talk about positive manipulation or influence or whatever you want to call it. How do you handle being called out? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. So many people have a problem with that, especially in the BDSM community. Yeah. Uh. yeah. <laughs> my, my TikTok is filled with this conversation right now. And it's... um. Oh, yeah, if you would like to watch me slowly lose my mind, go check out my TikTok. Um, <laughs> Hi, I'm Phil Donahue. And I'm Marlo Thomas. We fell in love on live television right there on my show. Not long after we got married, and that was more than 40 years ago. Now on our new podcast, Double Date, we visit the homes of our favorite long-married celebrity couples. We share intimate conversations about enduring love and all its challenges. Family, career, conflict, addiction, illness, jealousy, everything a couple can face. And you'll hear those personal and often hilarious stories that all married people like to tell. From couples like Viola Davis and Julius Tennant, Neil Patrick Harris and David Burka, Kelly Ripa and Mark Consuelos, Judge Judy and Jerry Scheinlin, and so many more. We can't wait to share some of the laughs and tears and revelations that we had with these remarkable spouses. Listen to Double Date on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Are you in a couple looking to find a third? Or are you single and searching for a dating app that actually encourages you to embrace your sexual side? Well, then you need to check out Field. Field is the alternative dating app for couples and singles. The app was originally designed for people seeking threesomes, and it's the biggest dating app for threesomes today. You can actually date with your partner. Field has built a community for awesome, ethical, and honest people seeking to connect and explore their desires. The app is inclusive to all, no matter your gender or orientation. When you join, you can choose to identify as over 20 plus genders and sexualities. The New York Times wrote that Field's options put the Kinsey scale to shame. Field values sex positivity and encourages you to share your desires and interests directly on your profile so that people know what you're into. Choose from a wide array of desires, from cuddling and long kisses to BDSM and shibari. With radical open-mindedness designed into the app, you can share about your sexuality no matter how traditional or kinky you may be. Nonconformity and shame-free individuality is what Field is all about. And here is some great news. You can download the Field app for free and support American Sex Podcast by using the link in this episode's description. Even better, when you use our link in the description, you'll get 50% off the first three months of Field's Majestic membership, which gives you premium features like seeing who's liked you. The Majestic discount only works on iPhone right now, but anyone with a smartphone can download Field for free today by clicking the link in this episode's description. 
You know, an, another example of this that I actually I, I hold really close to my heart is the idea of an intern, right? Okay. Like, if you have an intern, legally, having an intern is supposed to be an inconvenience to you. Like, mm-hmm. having an intern, an unpaid intern especially, is supposed to be someone that you are training so that they gain skills that they can then leave your company or or continue in the company as a hired employee mm-hmm. with these skills. But what happens a lot is companies say, oh, well, we're doing that by having this person do all of the shipping. Or <laughs> we're doing that by, like, what menial tasks do we have that this intern can do that we would otherwise have to pay someone for? Right. And it's not increasing the intern's skills. Um, and it's not an inconvenience to the employer. That is a type of manipulation that is negative. Right. Um, that could be turned around to be a positive if you are actually doing an internship the way that is legally spelled out. Um, but more often than not, people do as much as they can get away with Mm -hmm. in those situations. And I think it's similar with negative manipulation, um, often it starts small. Often it starts with, well, this isn't technically covered by an internship, but, eh, you know, no big deal. We'll just have you do it this once. The next thing you know, that's what you're spending all your time doing and you're not learning any extra skills. Right. It's a slippery slope. It's a tempting-ass slippery slope. Yeah. Yeah. Like, okay, so, uh, you know, when when this whole subject had first come up and I started really digesting it, I was like, okay, in the context of BDSM, um, you know, coming from the point of view as somebody who's maybe submissive, who is is vetting uh, a dominant or, you know, getting to know people, you know, for me as a dominant and, and now for you too, Ken, like we're both very psychological players. We're very much into psychological edge play. We're very much into consensually using things like gaslighting and manipulation and that sort of thing for fun in scenes. But again, it's like, you know, I, I think we are very ethical. We spend lots of time negotiating these scenes. We don't do this, these scenes with people we don't know. Like, you know, we try to check off all the boxes. And still, even then, like, you know, to your point, we can still have a misstep, even if because, you know, this is edge play. This is you cannot guarantee this is going to be psychologically safe. And I can say with confidence, like, we strive to be as ethical as possible. It doesn't mean we don't make mistakes, Mm -hmm. but our intent is golden. But and I think we do the largest amount of risk reduction that we possibly can. Right, right. But like, if a, if a submissive, you know, especially if you're kind of new to BDSM and you don't know what the hell, how are you going to be able to vet somebody who has used these manipulation techniques for the fun, for the game, to make scenes good, and to know that they're not going to f- start sliding down that slippery slope right? and fuck your shit up? Like... Is there a way or are there things that people can do when they're vetting and they're getting to know somebody to indicate whether, you know, maybe these are some red flags in that area? I wish I knew. Yeah. Um, Honestly, (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah. I mean, um, I talked about this a little bit on my TikTok a while back, but like, I remember um, when I was new to the scene, I was really into fetish bottling. And um, there was a rope breaker who is very well known, taught lots of classes. Uh, community leaders all were like, yep, he's great. Um, other submissives were like, oh, yeah, no problems here. Totally fine. Um, so I felt very safe doing a scene with him and um, for, for a photo shoot. And he ended up sexually assaulting me. Mm. Um, and... I think that's the problem with due diligence is that it's it only goes so far. You know what right. I mean? Like, I did everything I could do to be safe, but I had underestimated the fact that the culture itself encouraged people to keep quiet unless you already had a problem. Once I said, like, hey, this thing happened what the fuck? A lot of people came out of the woodwork were like, oh, yeah, he has a history of this. And I was just like, you didn't tell me? Oh, God. But I realized, I realized that the reason why no one told me is they didn't feel safe, that the culture had manipulated them into silence until they knew that I was amongst their ranks and therefore was safe to confess to. Mm. And that is a very deep and dark truth about many communities i think that um you know and and additionally i as i learned i mean he's the reason why i started consent culture um and uh, and he's dead now so i can actually talk about him without being afraid um because he can't sue me um (laughs) but like I realized later that one of the reasons why he continued to teach workshops even after I came out about my experiences was, um, you know, a lot of his friends who were in a position of power. I mean, first of all, almost all his friends were other community leaders. Mm -hmm. And so they had to close ranks because, A, they didn't want to be called out themselves for enabling this. Right. B... They didn't want people to look too deeply into them because most of them, as the years went by, I had plenty of stories about as well. Um, and so uh, that's why I hesitate to tell somebody new to BDSM, like, here's what you can do. I right. don't know. I really don't know. And until we have a severe reckoning. <laughs> right. I'm not sure that I can in good conscience recommend people join the BDSM community. Do it with your friends. Like, have your circle of friends build your own community. Yeah. That's the best advice I can give. It's Um, it's rough. It's actually very good advice. Yeah, yeah. I want to figure out a way to normalize platonic BDSM that you can do with your friends. And I know like us in the community, we do it all the time. But to like normalize it to people who are like, I'm new to kink, I'm exploring, you know, and I I talk to a lot of people when I teach, you know, BDSM 101. And I'll, I'll teach it to people who 
Um, like there's this one uh, event that I'm thinking of that's a women's retreat and it's not kink centered, you know, and I'll, I'll do my thing on kink. And for a lot of people, it's like the first time they've heard about kink and they, mm-hmm. they really don't know. And, and I get very much into the psychological play of the role play and, you know, how you can use it to explore different parts of yourself that, that maybe are unfamiliar or that you're afraid to explore in other contexts. And a lot of people get really jazzed about, they're like, whoa, I didn't know BDSM could be all this I really want to do it um but like I, I don't know if I'm gonna go home to my husband and he's not gonna be into it he's he doesn't really get and I'm just like why can't we just all do it together like even if you wouldn't like fuck the people that are your friends and they fine you know BDSM isn't all about sex why can't you have this like intense role play or intense sensation experience with somebody that's a friend like we need to normalize that yeah I mean you know, similarly, I'd ask, like, we feel that way about cuddling. We feel that way about massage. There's so many ways in which people touching each other has been made into a second hand for sex. Yeah. Um, I remember being absolutely shocked when someone told me that she would consider her boyfriend cuddling with friends to be emotionally cheating on her. And I was just like, what? (laughs) Really? God, that's so, I mean, first of all, how sad and scary for you. Yeah. Because every time this guy shakes someone's hand, you're going to be like, what are they up to? Right, right. But also, like, how awful for him to feel, like, so contained. And, like, uh, I mean, yeah. you know, it's your relationship. Do what you like in it. But um, also, I think that uh, it's been really big for me identifying now as asexual and being like, but here's all the things that I feel comfortable doing with my friends. And actually, it's most of the things. Right. Um, and uh, the older I get, the more of my friends are in the same boat. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I feel like there's an interesting swing beginning to happen of like, eh, is sex all that it's made out to be at, after all? Like, right. fuck it, who cares? And it's an interesting uh, world to l- peep into, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really look at a lot of BDSM as like a very particular flavor of LARPing, which for the three non-geeks listening, that's live action role play where you run <laughs> yeah. around in the forest and you you know, dress up and the dragon's coming. And um, But like, really, it is LARPing. Like we're pretending we're creating this whole emotional scene together. You know, obviously, if it has some kind of DS or role play element, not everything does, but a good majority of stuff we do does. Um, and we're just adding a certain flavor to it. Like maybe we're flogging. Maybe we're not wearing as many clothes as we would like LARP LARPing, you know, (laughs) but, and, but maybe we're still not having like sex. We're kind of, you know, just kinking it up a little. It really is like its own particular flavor of LARPing to me. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. I mean, you know, I, I definitely, there are ways in which I handle some, psychological stuff through my D&D playing. Um, yeah. I, I incidentally just wrapped up a, a, a story arc for a character about manipulation. Really? Um, 
wherein the character I was playing, a sad dad bard by the name of Randy Anderson. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that is such a bard. Just who, right there. You just, who yeah. looks like Steve Buscemi. And his <laughs> charisma was because people felt sorry for him, not because they were <laughs> seduced by him. Um, but I, it was an interesting character to play because... He was trying to reconcile with his ex-wife um, and she broke up with him because he had cast calm emotions on her. And for uh, anyone who's not a D&D nerd, calm emotions is a spell that you can cast on someone that will basically calm them down immediately. Okay. And they are not aware initially that you've cast this spell. Um he had admitted to her, like, yeah, I kind of used a spell. I used magic in order to get you to chill out so we could, like, talk this through. Mm -hmm. And she was furious with him. Um, and so she left. And so he was learning how to, like, is it ever ethically acceptable to use charm spells? Um, charm person, calm emotions, anything like that. Was there ever a time that it was okay? And um, what what were the reasons why he feels that sometimes it's okay to manipulate people and sometimes it isn't? Mm -hmm. Is that ethically true? <laughs> and it was a very interesting place to sit because mm. in Dungeons and Dragons, especially um, with certain types of uh, roles, you're probably going to lean on suggestion or um, or charm or things like that in order to get a non-player character to do something you want them to do. Right. And exploring whether or not that was ethically a good thing was a very interesting thought experiment for me. Huh. I love that. You know, and it's like, I, I'm likening that to just real life scenarios. For instance, let's say, you know, you're dealing with somebody irate in like, I don't know, maybe you're, you're in a store and you're trying to return something and the, the clerk is just being an asshole and they're not listening to you. What do you do? You put a smile on your face. You use that customer service voice and you're okay. And you try to calm them down. And I mean, that, that's normal interaction. But yeah. that's manipulative as fuck at the same time. Not bad fuck, but, you know, you're not you only- You just did calm emotion. Yeah. yeah. And, th and really, that's what that now, is. Remember, when we have a raging barbarian with a great axe coming through the front door- Customer that, service um, yes, voice? Okay. customer service voice. Well, and, well, and, here's, and here's what's interesting. <laughs> that exact same voice, if you watch two women who don't like each other- Yes. They also will use that voice. Yeah, your voice no goes longer, up an octave. It's yeah. not intended as a calm emotion spell at that point. <laughs> it is like a pointed dagger. Yeah, so it's, it's like when cats have their ears up and they're the like. The same voice. The same voice can either be used to like de-escalate a situation or to vastly escalate a situation right. depending on the context. Yes. It's very like, well, bless your heart. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> yep, yep. Yeah, it is just like, I don't know. It's so complex. And, you know, going back to like, 
how would we advise you know people who are vetting or getting and 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 this goes not even just for BDSM relationships. If you're getting to know anyone, whether it's a new friend, whether it's someone you're dating, whether it's someone in a BDSM relationship, kind of evaluating like, okay, what kind of person are they? You know, what's up with them? Are they you know bad? Are they good? Whatever. Um, like you said, I don't think there's any way to go, well, do this, that, and this thing, and then you can be sure that. Um, but I think overall, us just becoming more fucking self-aware, others-aware, being able to recognize what manipulation is, being able to recognize when manipulation techniques are being used. Like, I, I take myself back to, you know, 20 years ago, me before the horrifically abusive relationship that I was in that was like manipulative as fuck. And like, I was clueless. And and going through like that eight year ordeal, and then all of the reading and the therapy and the you know, I learned about like, these are the emotional manipulation techniques that that he was using. And oh, he put me in a fog, which is fear, obligation and guilt. And you know, all those catchphrases. Mm -hmm. and And I learned the framework of what manipulation looks like. And it's like, once you see it, you can't unsee it. And now I fucking can point it out everywhere. Yeah, it's it is very much that um, taking a bite of the apple and then being like, oh, God damn it. Can I go back to like not knowing all of this? <laughs> um, yeah, because it is it is uh, it's a heavy thing, you know, yeah. it's yeah. And the only thing you can really control is how manipulative you're being. Right. Um, and so I think, you know, a lot of it, a lot of the work comes in reflecting on yourself and your motives. What's better than a toe curling eyes in the back of your head orgasm? Nothing. Well, Intensity by Pormois helps strengthen all your orgasms by exercising your pelvic floor muscles. Kegel exercises have been scientifically proven to strengthen orgasms. They can also assist in bladder control and enhance sensation during sex. Now, people are always talking about Kegels, but... Where are those muscles hiding and how do you exercise them? Well, the Intensity by Pormois uses muscle stimulation along with the resistance of an inflatable probe to safely pinpoint those muscles and will exercise them automatically for you. The Intensity offers both internal and external vibration too, so you can actually experience mind-blowing pleasure while you're using it. You'll actually want to work out because it feels this good. Now, for me, after having kids and getting older, you know, things like sneezing or jumping can be risky. You know what I'm talking about, right? And that's what I like most about intensity. No more sneeze peas or jump leaks. Pormois is offering our listeners an additional $25 off intensity when you go to pormois.com and enter the code SUNNY, S-U-N-N-Y, when you check out. You can use this code along with any code on their website, too. That's $25 off on top of all ongoing promotions when you go to P-O-U-R-M-O-I.com and use the code SUNNY. That's pormois.com, code SUNNY. Um, I think about this also a lot as it pertains to uh, social justice language and how mm -hmm. 
initially the use of it was a positive thing to encourage people to grow and to be accountable and to own up when they've hurt somebody accidentally, but it's very quickly turned into something that's weaponized. Yeah. And again, I don't think, like the same with call-outs, I don't think that social justice language is bad. I don't think that being a social justice warrior is bad. I don't think that, you know, uh, call-out culture is bad. Right. But I think that thinking about intentions, thinking about the what is the end result that you're looking for here? And is your goal to encourage or to punish mm -hmm. is something to be honest about. And you know what? Sometimes it is to punish. Yeah. And sometimes it's deserved. <laughs> like, right. yeah. don't get me wrong. You know, I'm not going to say that everybody deserves redemption. They don't. But I think that being more honest about why you're doing things and like why you're using this language, why you are, you know, framing things in this particular way helps to mitigate manipulation just sort of being out in the wild, you know, yeah. like the more knowledge you have, the better you can do, I hope. Mm hmm. Yeah. And I, I, you know, I've, I've recently been employing that. Like I see it on social media a lot, especially on TikTok. I see it like, it's like, ah, to the nth degree on TikTok where, um, you know, this, this trend of calling out, you know, of like, you, and now it's like, I, I find myself so many times starting to type, like tell someone off and I'm starting to type. And then I'm like, what is really going to be the end result of this? I'm just feeling better blowing wind at this person going, ah, oh, you're so wrong. Eight other people said it before me. I'm not saying anything different. I'm just lashing out at this point because I'm pissed. So I'm just going to raise what I say. You know, and I see that a lot on TikTok where it's like, you know, somebody makes a video where they did something fucked up. And it's clearly a fucked up thing. And it totally deserves to be like, uh, okay, that was fucked up. This is not cool. But like, everybody comes everybody I, it feels like they're doing it because they want their own voice to be heard and and they're losing sight of the fact that they are trying to either correct a wrong they are trying to reach the person who made the wrong it just becomes like i want to scream about how right i am and how wrong you are i mean is that just me do you feel no that? i i mean okay. absolutely and like you know i i can think of at least one TikTok video i made that i absolutely just wanted to pwn this guy you know? oh totally like, and, and sometimes that feels good i'm not and sometimes, <laughs> and sometimes yeah. that feels good and like you know sometimes you're hopping on the algorithm so that more people can see your videos like mm -hmm. I, I made a video about that was like, mm, I feel like your position on safe words is a little reductive and here's why. And like, I tried really hard not to be like, you're fucking wrong and you're causing harm. And more right. like, hmm, <laughs> let's complicate this further. I hear what you're saying and also this. Right. Um, and, you know, that is my most viral video on TikTok. Yeah, videos where I am genuinely like laying out framework for like, here's how we can make consent culture happen in life. Here's bystander intervention tips. Nobody looks at that stuff. 
Yeah. So if we want to reward (laughs) solutions, we have to reward solutions. Yeah. Or else we're just, I mean, or we just accept that we are petty, manipulative people and that's all we want to be. And I think, you know, know, stop bothering. (laughs) Sometimes that feels good, you know, and I know like, that's one of the reasons that I enjoy being a psychological sadist is because I know doing this in in real life without consent, not in a safe container is not fucking cool. Yeah. However, there are sometimes I just want to be like, what is it, the Alexis Carrington of Dallas and just be a bitch. And I it feels good to do that. And I know in BDSM, I'm doing it in a safe acceptable way and and it's it's an outlet and i think a lot of people will just do that outlet in their real lives and like i do it in my there's i made videos where i'm like you're stupid (laughs) and i'm like that there was really no point to that i just wanted to blow off steam you know but and then you mentioned like with social media the algorithm the algorithm loves discourse so it's like you know, the, we're trying to manipulate the algorithm to get our stuff seen more. And the algorithm is manipulating us back. Like, that's a whole nother layer. Yep. Yeah, it's oh, capitalism, again, the great manipulator. Oh, yes. Okay, capitalism. Let's end it on capitalism. So I want to go there. Somebody said, during this whole, you know, talk about manipulation on social media a couple weeks ago, they were like, yeah, but think about it. We live in a capitalist society that is built upon manipulation. And if the, uh, you know, citizens in that society begin to see manipulation for what it is, they'll begin to see that the entire framework that's holding up everything that they've lived for, you know, that American dream, if you just work hard and all that, that it's bull fucking shit. And capitalism will crumble. And I was like, whoa, my God, they're right. Um, So how do you feel about that? I feel good about it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But like real, I mean, yeah, that's true. I do feel good about it. But also um, I think that what is interesting about that, and this is a conversation I have a lot with my libertarian friends, um, mm-hmm. of which I have some. Sorry, leftists. <laughs> I know. Um, <laughs> I'm like, I'll just be quiet. I'll just Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. I know. You know, hey, we got all, uh, but, all, all but sorts they, of friends. You know, they made an interesting point to me, right? Which is that okay. um, we currently live in a capitalist system. Mm-hmm. And encouraging companies to do ethical things or like community focused things through purchasing their products is a way that we can manipulate the free market to the and and corporations to do the things we want them to do now i think that could work to some extent but also like the power differentials are widely, wildly disparate. It's yeah. not like encouraging your local mom and pop store to carry your favorite orange soda by buying all of the orange soda. You know, like we're right. talking about what can I do against Tesla abusing their employees? You know, right. we're in a wildly different situations. Um, 
But I do think that there is an interesting point there about how boycotts, for example, is a form of manipulation mm -hmm. um, that can be used for positive or can be used for negative. Right. Um, you know, I think that that's why deplatforming is is complicated. It yeah. can be used for good. It can also be used for really terrible things. Um, and I think that it is hard sometimes to be honest about whether or not the thing that you're doing is inherently good or not. Uh -huh. Like, I think about this a lot around, like, deplatforming uh, not straight up Nazis, but people who are like Nazi adjacent. Okay. Like the leftist, the angry leftist side of me is like, yeah, fucking don't have a job. Like live on the right. streets, you know? <laughs> uh, but then the other leftist part of me is like, well, first of all, you don't want people who live on the streets to suffer either. So like what's going on there. And additionally, like, is this, going to make them more radical or is this going to encourage them to evolve right. and you don't always know until you've tried it which one is going to happen uh, sometimes especially with celebrities sometimes you see them get canceled and they're like fuck you're right i fucked up i'm gonna do some work on this and they turn around and they improve right what happens a lot more often is they just get further right yeah <laughs> who has more money everybody so like that is also an influencing factor um so hmm, sometimes i think it can be counterproductive even if the intention is good right yeah so yeah destroy capitalism um i also think it's going to take a lot of different techniques <laughs> Yeah, that, that's a big, tall order. Like, I think, you know, I, I, my original career was in advertising. I worked for one of the top ad agencies for 17 years. And I think about some of the fucked up things that we've done in the name of peddling products, like the whole, you know, women have to shave their legs and their armpits was, was it Gillette? I think it was Gillette that, you know, before nobody shaved it wasn't a thing and then they were like oh shit we're not selling enough razors let's make it a thing that women need to be shaved and be soft and, da -da. and they just did that to sell more razors you know and it's yeah. like any product that you're selling you're manipulating you have to manipulate to advertise like and we live in a culture where every one of us is a product yep we're all so, our own personal brand. We want people to follow our social media. We want, you know, yeah. Yeah. So enjoy the nightmares, listeners, as you begin <laughs> to unpack this horror-filled life that we live in, this dystopia that we've created. Oh, <laughs> enjoy. Yes. <laughs> And with that, yeah, we're going to leave people like on their last fucking string. Like, oh, my God, everything's awful. But, you know, and, and like I said at the beginning of this, we are not like academic experts in manipulation and blah, 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 blah. And I was hoping and I think we succeeded. The purpose of this conversation was to really dig into manipulation to just 
encourage people to think about it more critically, to recognize when it's happening in their lives, to definitely recognize when it's happening in their BDSM and, you know, their sex lives and and things that affect consent in in that realm, but also in the bigger everything realm. So, um, you know, existential crisis aside, (laughs) hopefully we've done that. That is the hopeful thing I would end on, really, is that, like, Now you know. So now you can begin to explore the ways in which you benefit from manipulation in your own life and think about whether that is for the common good or if it's for your own individual good. Because you can start with you. You can't fix all of society. But if every listener does a little bit of work to make sure that their manipulation in their day-to-day life is a little more focused on mutual uh, success and less focused on individual success, that would do a lot. I'd be happy with that. So, like, you can do that. I empower you to go and do that. Oh, my God. Okay, first of all, thank you. You just pulled me out of the depths of emotional hell. Like, you pulled me out of the toilet. Because I was like, oh, my God, we've ended this on such a... But you've manipulated us into being happy and thinking of the positives. It's the only way that I am still alive, (laughs) is being good at that particular manipulation. Oh, my goodness. Well, uh, yeah, this has been amazing. Tell everyone where they can find you on the social medias or anything else you got going on. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Kitty Striker. You can find me on TikTok at Kitty Striker. Uh, you can find me on Facebook. I'm officially Kitty Striker on there. Um, yeah, uh, I have a Patreon, which is patreon.com slash Kitty Striker. Pretty much if you look up Kitty Striker online, you're going <laughs> to find me. Uh, don't do that if you're at a workplace that frowns on nudity because I did work in porn for a while. And so you might end up with some not safe for work content. Cool. Safe search on at work. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Recommended. Very cool. Very, very cool. Thank you so much. This has been awesome. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. This has been very invigorating. I always love having these kinds of conversations. Totally. Doesn't get me invited to a lot of parties, though. Eh, Whatever. And uh, until next time, because I hope there is a next time. Thank you. And uh, bye. bye. Yeah, bye. Thanks for listening to American Sex. To keep up with Ken and I, we'll first make sure you watch our TV show, Sex with Sunny Megatron, on Showtime. Then visit SunnyMegatron.com. There you can learn more about us, read our blog, peruse our workshop calendar, or hire us. For what? Well, either for private coaching or to book us to teach at your event or university or as sex and relationship writers for your publication. Oh, and don't forget, we're on social media too. I'm the super social one, so you can find me as Sunny Megatron on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, my YouTube channel, and a bunch of other places. But if you want to get me on Snapchat, you got to look for Sunny underscore Megatron, and you can follow Ken on Twitter at at tag SciChicken. That's P S Y C H I C K E N. Also, please support us by shopping with the affiliates and sponsors from our breaks. And if you contribute to our Patreon, we're going to love you forever. Well, we're going to love you forever anyway, but just go with it. Lastly, if you like this broadcast, tell people about it. Tweet it, Facebook status it, and rate it on iTunes and other platforms. Thanks, friends. We'll see you next week on American Sex.